Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Hello, today I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the podcast and the Naropa community, Richard Rudis, also known as Sanam Dorje. Richard is a facilitator of sacred sound and also gong bass. He is also a Buddhist practitioner, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So how are you doing today? I'm good, very good. Okay. This is sort of like a special little podcast for me because you are sort of outside of the Naropa community, you know of us, and you're in town in Boulder facilitating all your gong bass, and there is a mutual person that we know, Foster Bashir, who mm-hmm. got us in contact mm-hmm. and uh, thought it would be really interesting to speak about. And when I started researching you, I was like, oh, yes, I need to, <laughs> I need to talk to this person. Good. You're doing some really good work. So with that said, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get to what you're doing now with all the gongs and mm-hmm. the gong bath? Mm-hmm. Well, it uh, stemmed from a, an early raffle experience. And back when I was 19, I was drafted into the military. Okay. And in the process of getting through that experience, I was sent directly to Vietnam. I'll tell you a very small story. I was in a helicopter flying over a jungle that had been napalmed. So you can imagine a moonscape of destruction. And we came up over a hill, and there was a beautiful mountaintop with a reflective pool and a red pagoda and grass. Mm -hmm. And it was as though you found a a cut diamond inside of a dun heap. And I turned to the pilot and said, what is that? He said, oh, that's a a Buddhist monastery. Mm -hmm. And... I realized at that point, it was I didn't realize at that point actually, but it was a seed of experience that would follow me through my return to this civilization and return to an understanding of, or, or lack of understanding of who we are and what we, why we do things. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that brought me to various teachings, both mostly Eastern and ultimately through Zen, through Mahayana, and different uh, schools of teachings or basic schools and specific schools, I ended up in Tibetan Buddhism. But that took about 20 years. But in the process, having an engineering background, I was very interested in the instruments that are found within that tradition that are used to for meditative purposes or for altering consciousness and for healing, for physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. Consequently, as I grew in Buddhist understanding of the, sort of the architecture of the universe, I um, found these instruments to be intriguing and best and then ultimately something that I wanted to bring out in a more uh, structured way for people who don't have to be Buddhist, obviously, but they bridge the gap. Buddhism is not a religion, of course, as you as you mm-hmm. know. It's a philosophy. And yeah. Based on that, 
then the instruments are more accessible too. Yeah. Okay, so through the spirituality, you were actually able to find the instruments exactly. for the work you're doing now. That's exactly true. I never okay. set off to be a, a sound healer or a vibrational healer mm-hmm. or a sacred sound practitioner or anything yeah. of that nature. It's just that the way my mind is set up, they surface in the teachings. Yeah. Did you ever see yourself as a healer or someone wanting to no, help? No, not particularly. Particularly, basically, I'm a bit of an introvert, so okay. uh, I'm usually not comfortable in social settings and things yeah. of that nature. Which is strange because now I do workshops <laughs> and conferences and concerts all over the world. Yeah. But within the realm of the teachings, which support my awesome. my limitations or my perceived limitations. Yeah. Okay. So throughout your time of doing this facilitating of the gong baths. Mm. Have you picked up any other instruments that are essentially not based in the tradition of Buddhism? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do well, you, just you find incorporate? sacred sound instruments all across various traditions. Yeah. Anything from all native traditions, obviously. Yeah. From uh, something as basic as a drum, which is obviously not that basic, but mm-hmm. you know, more primal beats and yeah. in roots experiences through very complex polytonal harmonics. They're found across across the range from Native American, obvious, Australian, every Native tradition what, from voice onward. It's uh, mm. My focus is basically on the Tibetan Buddhist tradition only because you have to focus on something. I, I don't think a plural approach to, yeah. to sacred sound is necessarily the best way to go because okay. of the physics of sound essentially mm. just because it's a sacred instrument to the aborigines in australia and it works very well on its own when you yeah. pluck it out of that concept or out of that tradition and you throw it in with something like the tibetan instruments mm-hmm. you may or may not get a complementary experience hmm. basically because experimentation experimentations yeah, yeah but it's a physics, you know, essentially yeah. you end up with sound waves that are either going to be complementary and mm. or, or they're going to nullify or even cancel or become dissident in some way. Yeah. So when you're dealing with a physical experience, you want to be more on the safe side than yeah. experimental, if you will. If you have not agreeing sound waves or frequencies, then mm. the experiencer could be having stuff come up that is a little scary or different than what you've intended. Yeah, well, that happens too, because we all have our own stories, if you will. Uh In fact, some parts of the gong bath, as I've designed it, is actually designed to be Mm. the phrase from the old Star Trek, resistance is futile. It's like a tidal wave of experience that that you really can't get away from. You're immersed in it completely. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen in a natural sort of way. But I do that within a constructs of harmonic support mm. so that you're not a boat adrift, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like an audio writes a passage almost yeah. where yeah. you know it's something you, you're like, oh, I don't know if I like that part, mm-hmm. but I love the experience of everything. And that, mm. that is part of the experience ultimately. Ultimately. And it builds upon itself. Yeah. And people who find the the more uh, dynamic parts of the gong bath, which is a very, very small. If it's an hour-long experience, it's no more than three or four minutes. Okay. But it is tremendously dynamic, and individuals that are have the most problems with it 
I've found, I've been doing this for 25 years, mm-hmm. are the people who crave it later. Interesting. You know, it's like they're the first ones that are <laughs> furthest away from the gong. They're they're crying. They're experiencing pain. Yeah. There's you know, some sort of uh, cellular memory thing going on, some story going on in their head that is um, uncomfortable for them. But then they'll come to another, and that experience will have shifted, mm. which is the whole idea of it, of course. Yeah. And then after two or three of the experiences, they're the ones that are up close to the gong. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones that are saying, it's not long enough, it's not loud enough, it's, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. And it's like a craving. There's perhaps. like an eruption where they're like, yeah. ooh, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been facilitating gong pass, and how long has this been a part of your like yeah. path? Well, Sacred Sound, since the 80s, when I was doing a lot of basic research along okay. with a couple other fellows in the States, again, it had much to do with my Buddhist training. So I spent as much time in Tibet and Nepal and the Himalayas as I, as I could during that period. And that's where I, I met a lot of my teachers and a lot of the fundamental teachings that came forward. So the outline of Sacred Sound Healing became clear. But I didn't introduce the gong, even though gong is part of that tradition. But I didn't introduce the gong until there was a manufacturer who was creating a polytonal instrument that was noble enough. Yeah. um, Had as much expansion of sound and overtones and harmonics and frequencies that would reflect sacred sound healing, as I understand it, from that tradition. And that was Paiste. They're an old family manufacturer of yeah. mostly cymbals. Yeah. You look at their history, and they, they lasted through the both world wars in Europe, and they introduced the planetary series of gongs mm-hmm. in the mid-'90s. Yeah. So that's really when I picked up one and started seeing the potentiality of bringing it forward in sacred sound. Yeah. Wow, so good. And just so everyone knows, Pacey is a cymbal company that Mm -hmm. drummers and instrumentation people use. Yeah. And apparently they have a line of cymbals and gongs that Mm -hmm. are based in the universal kind of frequencies. Exactly. As I understand it, Hans Gustav, and I don't know if you know him, he wrote a book in the 70s called The uh, Harmony of the Spheres, I think. Mm -hmm. And somebody at Paiste picked up that book and decided to create gongs that would reflect the vibrational signatures of all the planets in yeah. our solar system. Yeah. And now it's been expanded to some asteroids and and things of that nature. Also the moon yeah, is yes, the moon <laughs> and, and even some emotional states that uh, ah. they create but the fundamental planetary system uh-huh is essentially it's it's easy to determine the planetary frequency based on observations and you know how long does it take the planet earth to get around the sun yeah and once you've reduced things to uh, to numbers then those numbers are easily expressed with vibration or sound okay when you say polytonal Mm. can you explain what that actually means Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well what the the instrument that I use, for instance, is mm-hmm. the, they call it the planetary earth gong. It's the earth has multiple vibrations, one of which is as it moves around the sun. So that's the one I use because it 
its fundamental vibration is at 136.1 hertz. So it's a very low frequency. Yeah. What's really almost magical about that that frequency Mm -hmm. is that in the Vedic tradition, in Eastern tuning, which is, as you probably know, is about a half a stop deeper than in our tuning. Yeah, yeah, they got Uh, 12. I think 12. Yeah. Yeah. The frequency 136 is C sharp in Eastern tuning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, C sharp. Uh So C sharp in the Vedic tradition is the frequency that has been identified as the Om frequency. So the C yes. syllable, the Om cannot be expressed in any grander terms than creation itself. You know, it's from mm-hmm. energy to matter, essentially, and vibrating on that edge of spirituality. So mm-hmm. Om is a, a very powerful, yeah. what I'm saying is a very powerful frequency in, or expression in Eastern tuning. And it's been identified as C-sharp. And all, for instance, all the drum strings in the sitar are, are tuned to C-sharp. Okay. So the magical part of it is that the Earth, in its natural passage around the sun, uh-huh. vibrates at C-sharp. I mean, that's 136.1. That's what it is. So, yeah. so there it is. That synchronicity is there. So they've tuned the instrument to that fundamental. But because it's so low, they've then created octaves based on that fundamental. And the octaves according to their, what they say, is vastly larger than what the human ear can hear. So there's sub-sounds and ultrasounds. These are vibrational signatures that are Mm -hmm. below and above our human hearing. It's like infra, infra infra-bass. That's right. Yeah, so it's below than what you can hear, but you can feel it. That's right. Yeah, you can rattle a house with it. It has effects, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I have... A multitude of octaves to work with on this one instrument. Okay. And we've been able to, with some instrumentation that's not as sensitive as as others, but even within our base instrumentation, we've been able to identify more than the 21 octaves that we can hear with the the human ear. Okay. But all the octaves are based in C-sharp, Eastern tuning. Okay. So by manipulating the surface of the instrument with various compression ratio mallets and Mm -hmm. even I project my own chi through the instrument, which responds in ways that mallets can't reproduce because it's directly interrelated with me at an energetic level. Yeah, that's unique. It's unique. Yeah. So I can then create these various octaves in the air around us. Yeah. Uh, and in a complementary way, so that when they bump into each other, they will create overtones. Okay. And as you know, an overtone is not something that I created as much as it is a product of the the vibrations commingling in the atmosphere around mm-hmm. us. So by doing that through the multiple octaves I have available to me, I can create a symphonic experience of primal tones that are somewhat predictable. I mean, I know what's going to happen, although it's a very dynamic, fluid experience. So it's a polytonal result of all of that together, essentially. Yeah, okay. I would assume that most people out there don't know what a gong bath is. Mm. So can you just explain what it is? Like if I was to walk into the room 
of a gong bath? Mm -hmm. What would I experience and what would I see Mm -hmm. and what would you be doing? Like what is happening? Well, in an ideal situation, for instance, I just gave a gong bath at Kiva in Carbondale, Colorado. And the Kiva is acoustically, it's a circular room. The walls are cantered out three or four degrees so that you have more of a lotus experience than mirroring experience. Okay. In that ideal situation, then I set up myself in the middle of the room so that the people who are participating in the experience or receiving the experience are will be in a radiating circles around me. Okay. It's more of a mandala. For me, it's a more mandalic experience. So yeah. I'm in the center of the mandala. Okay. And people become the radiating edges of it. And of, we have found that on a physical level, the sound will move through... The enter the crown of our head and move through our bodies, our physical bodies, in a way as to stimulate the acupuncture points in the hands and in the feet, and picking up any toxins and on a more emotional level, uh, habitual thought forms, okay. and moving it physically through those parts of our body. Yeah. And out, essentially. Mm. So that I don't want people to be aligned. You know, as humans, we have a tendency to queue up, you know. So what you would see is a number of people in circles that are spoking out just a little askew of each other so that yeah. people's heads and feet are not aligned with each other. Mm-hmm. And I can talk more about the physical aspects of it if you'd like, okay. because those are the easy things to track. Yeah, yeah. So my next question has to do a little bit more with like the therapeutic <laughs> uses of the gong bath. So. Uh-huh. It seems as though there's this idea and healing modality of how sound, how I was hearing it from you, can change patterns, whether it be on a cellular, molecular level, emotional or energetic level. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, how does that work? Yeah. The yeah. science of that. The science part, this physical part is very easy, actually. Okay. I mean, easier to track than, say, the emotional and the spiritual. Yeah, Yeah. because that's all unique to individuals. That's true. If you go to my YouTube site that is under either my name, Richard Rudis, or Sonam Dorje, my Tibetan name, you can come up with uh, blood tests that we we took, videos of blood, essentially. Yeah, I saw that. Super cool. Pre-gong bath and Uh post-gong bath. And you can essentially see that the blood cells become more uniform, the flow uh-huh. is increased, the, yeah. the black material, little specks of black material inside the cell walls, it makes its way outside the cell walls into the fluid expansion between the cells. Mm-hmm. What I do essentially is stimulate both the pineal and pituitary gland, which is the the pineal is called the God seed gland. They, yeah, they has a the seed of the soul. The seed of the soul. Yeah. And the pituitary is, is the physical component uh-huh. to that. So those two become stimulated and start to um, interact with the body in a dynamic way. Also, kin to the pituitary gland is something called the vagus nerve, which is also known as the wanderer nerve. Huh. The vagus nerve is, starts in the serpentine brain, our root brain, okay. and moves out throughout the body. It throws out two receptors that in the large bone behind our ears. That's the largest bone in our body, and it's consequently, it's very easy to vibrate with polytonal sacred sound instruments. Okay. By vibrating those bones, then I can stimulate the vagus nerve. 
and it is literally hardwired to all of our internal organs. Yeah. Except for the spleen. The spleen is sort of the designated driver in the in this experience. <laughs> And the, I like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the spleen is all, you know, houses 20% more oxygenated blood at any given time than the rest of the body. So, uh, what you doing down there, spleen? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, well, deep sea divers, free divers, uh-huh. they go as deep as they can until the stress on their body stimulates the, hmm. the spleen, and that oxygenated blood fills their senses and they can make it back up to the surface. Actually. Wow. Body science. Yeah, I know. Body science. (laughs) Anyway, so by stimulating the the vagus nerve, Mm -hmm. uh, which is also recently believed to be the connection between the mind and gut, because the mind is no longer, at least in our architecture of understanding, the housing of consciousness. It is, you know, it's the heart. It's that ganglia nerves Mm. down at the base of our spine. It's the whole biosphere, essentially. Yeah. But they don't know how it communicates other than on a fundamental level. But Uh now they're believing that the vagus nerve is that link between the gut and the brain. Okay. But anyway, by stimulating that then you can cause toxins on a physical level to be released into the, the fluid expansion between the cells. Yeah. When it's there, by, uh, it's a lot easier to rid yourself of it by drinking plenty of water, or by taking a hot Epsom salts bath. But to get it from its entrapment within the, the organs into a place where we can actually move it out of our body on a physical level, that's what vibration does for us. Yeah. Yeah, and those videos that you were speaking of, so I actually saw them last night where you had a before picture mm-hmm. of like this microscoped cellular level mm-hmm. cells moving in mm-hmm. the bloodstream and yeah. they just look clogged. It looked like traffic. Yeah, yeah. Straight traffic. And then right. then you had the after effect. You could see every single cell and they were doing its work and they just had free range to, to go do what they need to do and do mm-hmm. their job. and. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how you explained it. Exactly. It yeah. just frees it up. And what is it about vibration or certain frequencies that do that? You know, it, it might be hard to believe for some people, but it's true. Yeah. Sound yeah. sound can do some crazy stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. It can yeah. levitate things. Yeah, it can. It can it yeah. it's not that it, it doesn't make gravity not exist. It just cancels out gravity within a certain range mm-hmm. of which it's being used. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What is happening at a at a cellular level is is non debatable. The only variable difference between those two slides that you were referring to mm-hmm. is a gong bath experience in between. Yeah. We know that the corpuscles expand. So that makes cellular clogging in the cells less frequent. The cells begin to flow because so there's the more channels room are for more them. open. Yeah, the channels okay. are more open that uh, oxygenation of the blood is increased, that therefore more yeah. oxygen gets to the brain. And, you know, it's a, a domino effect essentially throughout the body. I have had reports on a physical level, and, and I think even more profound experiences that are on an emotional and a spiritual level, but we can track the physical levels uh, much more easily, where people have, at one case, a woman came in and uh, had a biopsy on one of her breasts that looked like it was a cancerous tumor. 
Yeah. And so she came in three days before she had the second biopsy okay. and asked if we could focus the vibration on, on essentially that part of her body, essentially. Yeah. And when she went in for the second biopsy, the tumor wasn't there. Mm. Now, I can't say that that was... You know, maybe it was just her intention to dissolve the tuner. Right? Yeah. That the human mind is, uh, is vastly more powerful than we give it credit for, you know, yeah. generally. But that experience has been repeated several times. One woman I can recall, the amusing story, I have CDs, and the CDs are done in pluralistic sort of recording, so that's just their uh, surround sound experiences. And, okay. And designed to stimulate cellular memory of a actual gong bath, something that was experienced first. Yeah. Yeah. And she started playing one of my CDs in the background mm-hmm. 24 hours a day. Mm. So she said the first week her teenage son decided that he was going to clean up his room for the first time in two years. Look at that. Hey. And she said, you know, that was, that was <laughs> trackable. I could see yeah. I did this and that happened. It's not just internal cleaning. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then she felt that the harmony in the household in general was vastly more in keeping with one another. Wow. I really like that. Yeah. Her husband cleaned out the garage the first time in five years. Wow. Her neighbor, mm-hmm. who had old refrigerators and washing machines in his backyard, decided that he was going to clean it up. And she says... This is a stasis that we were in for five years. I started playing this in the background, and suddenly things changed. Mm. So, I mean, it's hard to track the cause and effect other than the obvious one. What I've noticed having, like, fairly sensitive ears to sound, like, Mm. I I swear to God, I can hear, like, a dog whistle sometimes. Oh, sure. I just, like, perk my (laughs) head up, and they're like, what's up? And I'm like, you don't hear that? And they're like, you're crazy. But... We are inundated with sounds mm. all day long. The sounds of cars driving by, the sound of your refrigerator running, mm-hmm. the sound of someone walking upstairs, the sound of doors shutting. Or There's so many sounds that sometimes help, sometimes don't, and mm. sometimes you don't even notice. Oh, yeah. And so when you take control of the sonic space in which you are subjected to, mm-hmm. then there's some healing that can happen and or just some energetically neutral safe space where you're not just feeling a little tense Mm -hmm. just from the sonic background that you are around oh yeah the electromagnetic flux of the electricity moving through the wires around you oh yeah the cycling you know 30 cycles a second that type of thing Mm -hmm. we're like fish that are born into water we're unaware of the water uh, yeah. It's just the environment that we find ourselves in until we meet something that is other. Mm-hmm. The gong bath, sacred sound experiences in general. Nature. Um, nature. The, yeah. There's a built-in pause or silence. Sometimes it, you need to overwhelm yourself with sound to experience the silence. Interesting. But it's a practice that that you can use and we do do that in the gong baths essentially yeah. put a lot of attention into the space between the notes yeah I learned that a long time ago I've been a drummer for 20 years so mm. I'm pretty familiar not so much gong bath or anything like mm. that but like just instrumentation and mm. space between the notes mm-hmm. that actually makes the notes that you're hitting more important mm. mm-hmm. you know so it's like the spatial awareness of like when you're drumming if you're not on beat your space is 
way off. So, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, having the headroom to just reset, I love it. Yeah. Exactly. And on a more emotional level, people have reported back some really f- profound changes in their life. Yeah. I work quite a bit in Chicago. I come back to the Denver or Central Colorado area every four months, and I do the same with Chicago. Okay. And uh, one guy there was in a state of unknowing or flux and sort of an emotional, physical level. And he came to one gong bath. And I heard from him about four or five months afterwards. And he said that it made a profound difference in his life. He went home. He yeah. sold his business. He sold his home. Oh, wow. He moved to Sedona. He bought into a, a, a meditation center there. He just went for it and went to Sedona. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that was the effect of one gong bath. And Dang. he contributed the change. Obviously, he was ready for change. But yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever mm. the gong bath did for him, it was that the event horizon for him to get up off the seat, oh essentially. Yeah. I love hearing stories like that, yeah. where there's just like a shift of something. And it's like, we all want to be shifting in every moment, but mm-hmm. when we get stuck mm-hmm. and then we find that thing that just floods us with inspiration and then we just do everything we've wanted to do in the last five years in like one month. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Just, it's amazing and it's always been there. That's true. Yeah. Well, the gong bats are designed along the same, the four fundamental truths, essentially. But as you know, the idea that when Buddha talked about the life of suffering, he was mm-hmm. suggesting that we become aware that there is a certain level of suffering in yes. our life. Yeah. Again, like fish in water, we if we don't know something other than suffering, then we don't know we're suffering, essentially. Yeah. So it's that moment of awakening. And then, of course, the second Noble truth is uh, could be akin to the idea that the cause of our what the cause of that suffering is. Of course, in in Buddhism, it's the sort of the the ignorance of truth that there is a fundamental truth that we are all part of. Yes. And if we're not aware of that truth, then we are in some state of suffering. Yeah. Third noble truth, which is probably the most important, is that the situation as we find it does not have to be that way. We can change that through awakening to something that's innate or intrinsic within us. Yeah. And then, of course, the uh, Eightfold Path or the Fourth Noble Truth is just a roadmap to awaken us, essentially. Yeah. But the sacred sound in all of its applications, if it's done with skill, because mm-hmm. I don't think someone that buys a, a gong, even a high-quality gong, can just hang out their shingle and say that they're... Uh, a sound healer or a yeah. gong bath practitioner. I mean, it takes some craft and understanding of what you're doing and, and what you're producing and what that is doing yeah. to actually create something that is bene- fully beneficial. Yeah. Some things that will be beneficial or effective at some level, but to be full spectrum mm-hmm. effective is usually a, a different thing. Yeah, that was something I wanted to ask you, Like, is how important is it for the facilitator and the instruments to be pure mm-hmm. in heart and mind and mm-hmm. soul. Like you just said, you can't just buy a gong right. and go out there and start practicing and tell people it's going to be okay. Like there's stuff that might come up in someone that you don't know how to channel or mm-hmm. you, I don't know, you just, the presentation of the act of a gong bath might mm-hmm. not be as potent as it could be. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to what was 
kind of a controversial decision on my part. When I first started doing this, I had a long, complicated name for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And one of my sponsors in Chicago encouraged me to come up with a different name because um, it was too esoteric, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And although I thought it was more accurate to what was going on. Mm -hmm. So I came up with the name Gong Bath. Okay. And I didn't like it, but I bought it up for that tour and... And she said, oh, no, it's, uh, I can still remember her saying, it's a it's a sexy, short thing that people, you know, it's intriguing. It's digestible. Yeah, digestible. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of stuck. Okay. Okay. And after three, four, five years or so, suddenly other people were doing gong baths, which was cool with me. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of need. There's a lot of practitioners yeah. should be doing this. Everyone, for instance, I feel everyone in the world should have an old Himalayan bowl, a singing bowl, in their home. It's just part of their environment, essentially. So then I started getting these people would say, I went to a gong bath and I got sick afterwards. Or I went to a gong bath and I didn't, you know, it wasn't for me. It was whatever. It was something irritable about it. Yeah. And I realized that they weren't talking about what I was doing, my gong bath. They were talking about what other people were doing. And that isn't to say other people aren't doing brilliant things. I believe that's true. Mm -hmm. I believe that's true very much. But I felt the need to separate what I was doing from what other people were doing in case what they were doing was not equal, if you will, to what I was doing. And again, I'm not saying that other people aren't doing brilliant things, Mm -hmm. even more brilliant than you know, my meager efforts, but I wanted what I did to be singular or an experience. When someone said I went to a gong bath, they meant I went to a gong bath with Richard Rudis, essentially. Yeah. So I trademarked it in 2002. In the society of people working within sacred sound, that became a irritant. This is only in the United States. In, the, mm-hmm. in Europe, they're even more evolved in sacred sound than we are. Vastly more. For really? longer periods, actually. Okay. Maybe because they have a longer history. You know, we're still pretty young here in the States. Yeah. So in the States, all I wanted to do, and I didn't, I, again, let me stress that I don't want to ever feel as though I'm saying that my thing is the best or mine mm-hmm. is Mine is of a particular quality that I can depend yeah. on and others can depend on. And that's the standard for me. Yeah. And so I just encourage people to make up their own name, essentially. Yeah. What I'm hearing is you have this thing that you've developed and you're calling it the gong bath. Right. And it's so uniquely you that the experience it will be different than so-called other people doing gawk bass. And so hence you want that experience to be known mm-hmm. for what the work you're doing because mm-hmm. of the approaches. Cause it's not just the instruments and the tools you use. It's your spirituality. It's your practices. It's mm-hmm. your way of living, your understandings mm-hmm. that develop the experience. So it, is, it yeah. just sounds like you want that to be, like, you know what you're getting into. It's like when you go see a band, it's like you know what you're going to go get. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to facilitating the gong bass, I was watching some videos of you doing it. There's multiple instruments that you use 
on the instruments or multiple tools that you use on mm-hmm. instruments mm-hmm. like mallets and can you just explain a little bit about those and how sure. they're useful and they sure. guide it i begin each gong bath with a set of tingshas which is a, a buddhist traditional instrument that is designed to awaken us at a an emotional even a physical level okay so you'll notice that all the tradition all the rituals, all the ceremonies within Buddhism is always preceded by a set of tingshans being struck three times, uh, specifically to announce or to awaken the body to something that's going to happen, essentially. Yeah. I also bring in a Himalayan bowl, a, in my case, a, an older um, singing bowl. Because of its polytonal nature, it is and the nature of, of that instrument, which is a jambade bowl. There are multiple. I, I know we don't have time to go into that, but the, yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, it's a jambade bowl that is designed to essentially bring us to center, especially if you're accustomed to meditative, what a meditative center is, or yeah. emotional center, or, or a spiritual, physical center, sort of the middle of the seesaw, the part of us that never moves, that mm. is that the world kind of pivots around. So. Yeah. A sanctuary space, if okay. you will. I set the tone with those two instruments, and then I'll move into the gong itself. Okay. Now, so you I, intentionally bring people to the center, and then... Yeah, okay. exactly. So in that safe place. And in fact, the first 20 minutes of any gong bath is designed to entrain the mind of the people in the vent yes. into a, a safe place. Great. And... By entrainment, then I can always, if there is uh, dissidence or some sort of aggravation within the energetic uh, room during the experience, mm-hmm. which I try to stay attuned to uh, as best I can, then I can always revisit that entrainment layer, that sanctuary. Okay. So that when people start to, some people go into convulsions even where they're, they're shaking off. The energy is too great for them to, mm. to hold in their physical body and they start to shake. Yeah. Then by revisiting that sanctuary spot, that uh, tonal sanctuary spot, then it calms things down and yeah. we can go back oh. in again. You know, it's just, let's take a breath. Okay, yeah. let's do this again, that type of thing. Wow. So I have taken the approach. Now, there are many planetary gongs put out by Paiste and other people. I use Paiste because I can depend on their quality. I know that Mm -hmm. an earth gong that's tuned to 136.1, no matter what gong off the shelf I pick, is going to be 136.1. And it's going to have a latitude of harmonics that I can depend on. And endurance and just the the ability to hold the frequency over a period of time, which I think is important. So I do modify the instrument slightly because I think it's very nature. It's all metal, obviously. And and I'd like to bring a little bit more warmth into it. So I change it just slightly. But I depend on Pisces because I can depend on their quality. Yeah. So I have approached it by using the earth gong, which is, as I said before, the, the fundamental ohm in the universe. Mm-hmm. Or if I use a second gong, it is also an earth gong, however, has a different shape of sound. So from the teachings, I understand that there are, we can reduce ourselves to an understanding of two emotional components, one feminine in nature and one masculine in nature. Yeah. 
So the feminine nature uh, in Buddhism is transcendent wisdom, translates to mean transcendent wisdom, mm -hmm. the knowing of that truth that we talked about. Yeah. And the masculine is the transcendent compassion. So one has to reach a level of compassionate understanding with self and others to cross the threshold into the transcendent wisdom. Mm -hmm. So it's tantrically, it's a union between the, the feminine and the masculine. And the two gongs, one is expression, has a shape of sound that has a lot more edges to it, which is masculine it's in got nature. Some teeth. And the other one is more rounded. Yeah. Feminine in nature. So if I do use two gongs there, they're both earth gongs, uh -huh. uh, planetary earth gongs, but they're expressing the 136.1, but the shape of sounds are different. And working together, they create something even bigger than the components yeah. of the two. But to alter the sounds or the alter to not alter so much as expand or evaluate or evolve the tonal qualities that are coming out of the instrument or instruments i use multiple mallets compression ratios are different yeah. uh, some of them that recreate whale songs and mm. other are those Other, the rubber tip ones? Yeah, the rubber yeah. tip ones, yeah. So he has these rubber ones, and you just, like, screech it down. It's kind of like a really cool, yeah. exotic sound. It is. It it's not just up. you hitting a gong with one mallet. You have, like, a bag yes. of mallets and even have some metal jingly things. <laughs> it's not just one sound. You're going to hear a huge amount of different kind of unique sounds and some that simulate nature. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I have found through my own practice that the instrument in, or instruments respond positively and dynamically mm. to my projection of my own chi. Yeah. So I will do a demonstration for people sometimes where I'll bring the fundamental up in a controlled sequence of beats. Okay. So we have a drone essentially. Okay. And that drone will be will be there for as long as I want to keep it there. And by not changing anything other than projecting my own chi through the instrument, I can take that drone into various harmonic, sympathetic or complementary vibrations with the fundamental. Mm -hmm. And so I project that through the instrument as well as using it's it's like another mallet essentially. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Wow. I feel like we could talk to you all day. Like <laughs> Our time's running short, okay. but I do see some instruments on the table. Yeah. And I'd love to, yeah. for our last part, just kind of sure. yeah, showcase those and see what you'd want to do with them. Well, these are tingshas, as we addressed earlier. Okay. They're very piercing. It's sort of a single note experience. These are very old ones. I'll just strike them very okay. lightly. They have sort of a binaural experience. Yeah. That's not true for all of them, but the older ones like this, they kind of jump from the left to mm -hmm. right brain. And they just look like really thick, small symbols that can fit in the palm of your hand that mm -hmm. you're just hitting together. Mm -hmm. They yeah. come in different sizes, but as I say, this is a very old, which is probably like 200 yeah. years old. feels very clearing. Mm, exactly. It's like sweeping the mental floor. Mm. And you're just like, ah, yeah. it's clean. Let's, <laughs> let's start over. Good. <laughs> and then the singing bowl. Mm -hmm. 
I'll play it like a, there's different ways of playing it, but I'll play it to begin with like a, a gong. probably run the whole podcast <laughs> <laughs> and that's so that's sort of the, the gong experience and then it can also be sung Wow, that's so good. You can feel the vibration. It's mm-hmm. just a boop, 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 yeah. boop, boop. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow, okay. That is our time, okay. but I have like a million more questions and they would just spark another hour. So yeah. I don't want to do that to you, but I'm just so happy for you to speak with me today. Thank I you. feel like our listeners are going to really get a lot out of it and just so they know and they have more information can you just tell them where to find you maybe like a website any Mm -hmm. social media outlets Mm -hmm. Um, I know you have some CDs and some tutorials Mm -hmm. and and you actually sell gongs and singing bowls and some of these instruments Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. can you just let people know where to find you sure for the concerts I have a website called www.sacredsoundgongbath.com okay which keeps people up to date. And also, if you wanted to get a, on the newsletter, which is a monthly newsletter that sends out the schedule of where I am, what I'm doing, I literally teach all over the world. So Okay. So you're around. So I'm around. You're always yeah. around. Yeah, I'm I around. love it. I also sell artifacts for, my, for various teachers in Tibet and okay. Nepal. And that's at www.buddhistartifacts.com. There's also a uh, links to the newsletter and to the concert tours and things of that nature there. On YouTube, if you put in my name, Richard Rudis, R-U-D-I-S, or Sonam Dorje, you can, there's a YouTube channel that has various tutorials on how to use the instruments. I'm part of a uh, Tibetan bowl school in Encinitas, California, which is rather a brilliant, I'm just part of. There's one other person, a brilliant sound healer called Leon Mandel, who is there, and she's under soundenergyhealing.com. Okay. So she's, um, you know, that school is there as a resource, uh, various levels. And uh, let's see what else. I'm on Instagram. You know, I try to get the word out everywhere. Yeah. YouTube. Awesome. A lot of YouTube can stuff. you can you spell your Tibetan name? It's S O N A M, and the second name is Dorje D O R J E. When I was in Tibet in '96, I was able to take refuge with the current Karmapa, the 17th mm. Karmapa, before yeah. he escaped to India, and he gave me that name. 
wow. which is something I'm trying to live up to. It's uh, yeah. It translates to mean meritorious thunderbolt. So. Whoa. I know. <laughs> wow. It's a big thing to live up to. The gongs are pretty thunderboltish, and they take that they spark are. of energy in yeah. which you're putting into it. So I, I see you doing it. Uh, thanks. I see it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much for speaking with me today. Your work is just doing amazing things for people. It's very therapeutic. It's it's just a lovely experience. I'm actually going to go on Monday at the Star House. Oh, good. So yeah. I'll see you. I've actually experienced you uh, like three years ago. Uh-huh. And I didn't really know who you were, but mm-hmm. it was just like a killer experience. And <laughs> I totally get it. Good. It good, makes good. complete sense. So thank you for your work and thank you thank for speaking you. with us today. All right. Thank you very much. So I'd like to thank... Richard Rudis for coming to the podcast and speaking with us. He is a facilitator of Sacred Sound Gong Baths and also is a practicing Buddhist practitioner. Thank you. On behalf of the Naropa community, thank you for listening to Mindful You, the official podcast of Naropa University. Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.